Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in to a special Anti-Culture episode. I'm your host Josiah Sinanen, and normally we release these on Fridays, but today we're starting off your week while this topic is still hot. The world gathered with bated breath last week when Oprah sat down with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle to talk about their decision to step down from their royal duties. In the two-hour CBS special, we witnessed shocking allegations, disturbing insight, and to some, certain elements that seemed performative. Though conspiracies and opinions have run wild since, I watched with fascination and intent. I myself being from two Commonwealth countries, Trinidad and Canada. The night of the event, I discussed my opinions with my dear friend and talented musician, Kaya Allo, as we watched together remotely. This is Kaya's second time on our show and I invited her on to discuss the cultural and identity-driven questions that arose following the shocking interview in this special episode of Anti-Culture. Before we serve the tea, I wanted to let you know that Anti-Culture is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which curates and supports local Alberta-made podcasts like mine. If you want to support local and listen to other Alberta-made podcasts, you can find them at albertapodcastnetwork.com. This week, I want to give a shout out to another show on the network, La Place, hosted by José Thibault and Ronald Tremblay, which is the first French language podcast on the network, highlighting Franco-Albertan culture. For those who don't know, I did a full episode on the Franco-Albertan world in season one, and it's still one of my favorite episodes. Donc, si vous parlez français ou si vous êtes une francophile comme moi, écoutez sur albertapodcastnetwork.com maintenant. This special royal episode of Anti-Culture is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. As we'll discuss on today's episode, everyone wants to feel a sense of belonging. Now more than ever, we are united by a desire to take action and help others by creating a community built on kindness and compassion. From small creative projects to larger citizen-led initiatives, the Calgary Foundation provides grassroots grants to encourage and support people who want to create and strengthen bonds between neighbors and communities. If you've got an idea to improve, enhance, or revitalize your community or neighborhood, visit calgaryfoundation.org to find out more about the Foundation's grant opportunities and visit the Calgary Foundation's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube channel. Okay, so I am here joined by Kaya Allo. How are you, Kaya? I'm great. I'm just so happy to be here. Yeah, are you excited to spill the tea? Ooh, honey, the tea is hot. The royal tea. Ooh, in our teacups, my pinky is up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe that will be the name of this episode is the royal tea. I'm into it. You know? But like royal. Exactly. (laughs) You're a songwriter. You know where I'm coming from. (laughs) (laughs) I get you. So you've been on our show before, and I did want to give you an opportunity to just introduce yourself for those of you who might not know you and tell us a little bit about, uh, yeah, what your background is and what you're up to. Um, Well, thank you for having me again. It's such an honor to be back. Um, Last time I was here, I was talking all about um, my music journey, which I'm still on and very excited about. So your girl's in the studio. We got some things coming in the next couple months, but I don't want to say no more than that. And jinx it. It's not because I have secrets. It's just because I don't want to jinx the universe. But um, but yeah, I'm really excited. I'm going to be putting out some musical projects this year, and I'm just really excited to be expanding creatively. Um, I also am working on a podcast myself. Yes, amazing. So I'm coming for your neck. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. <laughs> 
come for your throne. We're in you different are, we're in different realms, honey. Yes, your royalty is over there. <laughs> High. Safe. <laughs> but yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's and cool. will you be appearing on the podcast as Kai Allo? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm very excited. Shout out to another one of your guests who is gonna be my host, Misha. Yes. She's my I am Lemba. So we're just gonna be, you know, spilling some hot goss. That's amazing. Goss, all the goss. Well, everything. we will be featuring your show all the time and giving you guys shout outs. Thank you. Two so of my much. favorite women. We're excited. That's so yeah, amazing. We're excited. Mm -hmm. And people, I think when we first interviewed you, Vice had just come out, mm -hmm. and now you have four tracks out that people can get. Yeah, it's wild. That's amazing. Oh, actually, that was the last yeah. one. <laughs> I was like, was that on purpose? No, not at all. Do you have a favorite of those four songs? I feel like it, it depends on the moment and the yeah. season, but I'm in a season of, I, I've been listening to a lot of rap, so probably this time is my vibe right now. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. But I haven't gone back to listen to any of my music since it's come out. Really? Yeah, I don't. I just keep it pushing. Why is that? It's weird. It just feels awkward? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I, don't, I just get my Spotify analytics and I'm like, sounds good. That's all I need. Yeah. God bless. Amazing. Well, yeah. I'm so excited to hear the new stuff and the podcast. And um, we watched this whole thing go down. Oh my gosh. Um, last week, just last week, mm -hmm. um, when, yeah, this incredible interview happened. People were saying it was Oprah's best interview in years. It was the best interview they've seen. Mm -hmm. Were you impressed with like the level of talent in the interview and how she handled it? Um, incredibly amazed in awe of the real queen as van jones called her on cnn he was like people were shook that the queen and then he made it sound like he, we were, he was about to talk about the queen of england but he was talking about the real queen amen mama O. <laughs> yes if you're listening oprah i'm next yes absolutely <laughs> but no, i was incredibly impressed all mm -hmm. of it from the fact that she hadn't prepared megan or harry in advance I love the organicness of how it flowed from her going to see their chickens. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about it, I just thought it was in true Oprah fashion mm -hmm. where um, I'm really inspired by the fact that she always wants to have an intention behind anything. Right. A business meeting, whatever, there's always an intention and I could feel her calm. She felt really grounded. Yeah. And I think that's just the Oprah way. Yeah. Well, I kind of wanted to walk through the interview as it progressed and kind of relive some moments with you. So the first thing I wanted to talk about, um, obviously you touched on, you know, Megan didn't get paid for this interview. There was no preparation. It was like a true, honest look. Mm -hmm. um, some people would debate the honesty factor. Mm -hmm. And I know that it, it was so tricky for me to watch because I, I texted you when I saw this, but when Megan said that she had never Googled Prince Harry, before they got together, I just had a hard time believing that. <laughs> I'm really glad we don't have cameras on right now. I just uh, did a mini eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> um, respectfully. It was big from over Boy, here. But... Respectfully. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I, I'm not much of a conspiracist, mm -hmm. but I did feel a sense, and I said this to you, we, the beautiful thing about watching this with you, yes, we were in our individual homes and we were just texting throughout. We were texting so fast. Yes. I've never texted. There was so much happening oh every second. Oh my gosh. I, like, I've never appreciated commercial breaks so much because I'd rest my fingers and then it would come <laughs> back and we'd go at it again. But um, I felt, we said this at the very beginning, that she just felt so um, inauthentic for 
the majority of it. Mm -hmm. And so I do feel a little bit of empathy for those conspiracists out there. Right. The organicness from her perspective. I don't understand people that are trying to question the legitimacy or validity or authenticity of Oprah because, I mean, it's... Let us not blaspheme yeah, that's against not the even. queen, though, right? <laughs> but beyond that, um, I've never known Oprah to be inauthentic. Like, she's been so open about interviews in the past, her failings, like with James Fry, how she was willing to interview him, show her anger, and then bring him back again and apologize for her ego. Yeah. So I don't see that someone like that would be in a position to be inauthentic. Yeah, I actually didn't even know that was a dialogue that was happening where people were criticizing Oprah. That's that's surprising to me. Yeah. Um, going back to Megan, though, I thought something that came to mind, too, while I was watching is you have to be so careful because I think what's happening is the people who are latching on to maybe how she seemed a little bit inauthentic at the start they're using that to also disavow some of the big um, bombs she dropped. And I think that that's so dangerous. And my interpretation of it, and I think coming from a place of, I mean, this show is all about taking people out of their boxes and hearing their honest stories. I feel for someone like Meghan Markle because she, the past two years of her life, she's been trained to, you know, only say this or only say that. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, when she was in her celebrity world, it's the same thing. You have to like perform for the press. And so I think a lot of what has become her identity is a very calculated woman. She's very careful about what she's saying and how she's saying it. Mm -hmm. And I think some of that is, I guess the point is hit home when you see her talk about even the queen and other members of the royal family with a lot of respect. Mm -hmm. And I think there was some moments in the interview where it seemed like she had said something and then immediately regretted saying mm -hmm. it because she broke that performance. Do you think so? Or was that part of being an incredible actress? Because I have a theory myself. Okay. So don't come for me. I didn't send for you in advance. Thank you very much, whoever's <laughs> listening. But um, her mentioning the skin tone and the skin color mm -hmm. conversation that happened, that has been such a focal point of the media, in, or at least the yes. media that I consume. And I think if she hadn't said that, what would the media have focused on, first of all? But second of all, the fact that Harry came on when he came on to the interview um, and would not address it, would not talk about it. I wonder if that would have been a conversation had in the car ride home. Like, you took that opportunity without me to quickly put it mm. out, make it seem like an oopsie. And then when I come on, you're silent because she's very quiet. When Harry came on and was very adamant and held his boundary with Oprah that he would not talk about it, mm -hmm. she stayed silent at that point. But before he'd arrived, she had a lot to say. Right. So part of me wonders if the act continued and if the act was intentional in showing, oh, mishaps that weren't planned. Right. Um, that's just my theory. But Interesting. I mean, I... I'm so sorry. I yeah, go ahead. One more point. I was listening to a really inspiring podcast today with a gentleman named Adam Grant, and he's a workplace psychologist. Okay. And he was talking about when you are trying to prove yourself to somebody or argue your position, when you have more than two points, you empower the recipient, the listener, to go through all your multiple points and pick your weakest, and that's what they will remember, mm. and that's what they will use to actually hold their own line. Mm. So I felt like with the media choosing a quote-unquote 
relatively low point to try to dispel or disparage Meghan Markle's claims and the validity of how she felt. I feel like this this theory really was yeah. was put in play, but um, yeah, I just found that really fascinating to have heard that kind of psychological stat about humanity yeah. and watch it happen in the media. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, as you were watching the interview progress, was there a moment where you did kind of flip into a different way of thinking about Meghan Markle, and when did that happen for you? Absolutely, and I remember I got emotional at this part too. I think... <sighs> Definitely hearing what she had to say about feeling silenced and how she was feeling like she was fearing for her life Mm -hmm. and her mental health. When she began to tear up and Oprah then began to tear up subsequently, I looked at both women and I just felt a collective pain for us all as black women. Mm -hmm. It felt like what so many women, there's a, a beautiful... Uh, writer, artist um, named Kalechi Okafor and she talks about how we need to stop trying to pull up a seat at the table the table has already proven that it doesn't want us Hmm. we need to go and rent our own banquet halls Wow! and I just kept thinking about that as both women were getting emotional that Oprah a billionaire who has had more privilege than the majority of black people and then Meghan Markle who is privileged in the fact that she is of mixed race so she is not of the darkest tones and she is an actress a beautiful actress and these two women of seemingly higher privilege than most people of color are still experiencing this pain that we can all relate to in that Mm -hmm. moment i felt a collective experience with them and i felt that was authentic yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely did too i mean i think it's so hard to mask that emotion and Megan's done such a good job of it like mm-hmm. even when they were showing um that clip of them stepping up from the Royal Albert Hall and that was after she just told Harry she had felt suicidal mm-hmm. you couldn't tell at all mm-hmm. and for her to kind of break the fourth wall for us is monumental especially regarding the royal family because we didn't always get to see that even with Diana who was more outspoken than a lot of people mm-hmm. um And I just, yeah, it's just such an interesting thing. And I think the question I do want to ask, and I'm going to throw this one on you, Mm -hmm. but it's been part of the dialogue that's come up since. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to talk about as Canadians because we're part of the Commonwealth as well. The Queen kind of technically owns our land. Mm -hmm. And she's still in our money. She can still come here whenever she wants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And neither of them said anything bad about the Queen, which was interesting, but... My question for you, and we can get into this and unpack it a bit more, do you think that the monarchy should exist after this interview? You're asking me an incredibly big question. I know, I threw it on you. Um, And you don't have to have a yes or no, it can just be, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, And I preface everything I say with the fact that I've never been a monarchist, so, or a historian, so I'm not well versed on anything past the crown. I did watch the crown (laughs) as an act of duty and service. (laughs) Amazing. Um, But I don't see the value of it personally. Yeah. Um, I'm of Zimbabwean descent and we received, or actually rather, I correct myself and I say we achieved independence from the British in 1980. Right. And that is well within the visceral memory of my parents, their siblings, 
And so seeing the damage and the ruin of, of the monarch coming in and then removing itself and then removing all responsibility mm. and the damage it causes wow. to a third world country, I don't really see the value in a, a first world country like Canada. Like beyond the benefit of having this woman on our money, like... We can just paint her portraits and send them. Like, if you really want to look at yourself, <laughs> I don't really see the value. Yeah. But I don't really know. Like, you know, I think about this one song where it's like, What have you done for me lately? Nothing, girl. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Tell me. Oh, that's incredible. Um, okay. Thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting. I, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like I, struggle with that question and when I first saw people talking about it I don't know if it fully sat well with me I mm. think though I have a bit of a different take than you because I my whole life my identity has been under the commonwealth and mm. under the crown and even on both sides of my family it's kind of maybe the one thing that ties my parents uh, ethnic heritage together mm. and so I kind of grew up in a household where like my even my dad's family because um, I think, ugh, I don't want to misquote it, but Trinidad also gained its independence, and I think a bit earlier um, than Zimbabwe, but I believe like the heritage left by the British ended up being more positive for them in some ways. Interesting, how so? I think it sped up a lot of development that wouldn't have happened hmm. without that. Hmm. And prior to their independence, they actually... Trinidad just has a very interesting history because it was also... Um, governed by the Spanish in the past. Interesting. And then taken over by the British. Okay. And the whole time, um, the people on the island have such a like rich diversity of what their background is. And it's interesting because um, even, I think it's more similar to like, say a country like India, where there was, yes, a lot of ramifications um, with the British rule, but also it gave them kind of that foundation that allowed them to be so independent and strong, um, even today. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a respect for the crown still um, in a country like Trinidad, mm -hmm. as there somewhat is in a country like India. They have that relationship, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But the amount of that sentiment that is based on good education and actually understanding the history, I'm not sure about. Because I think everyone likes the idea of having a crown and being connected to England to some mm. for some weird reason and maybe because we're raised that way mm -hmm. and I know in Canada we're totally raised that way we're mm. we're raised to admire the Queen and it's an exciting thing and it makes us different than the US and I think those ideas have been in my head since I was young mm, Interesting. but I also am not surprised by what Meghan Markle said um, about the racist allegations and it's, it, that broke my heart a lot, especially being from a mixed race family, because when I grew up, and I'll just be vulnerable here too, my dad would tell me stories, and hopefully they're not listening to this, but my, my grandparents, when he was dating my mom, which was for five years, would never talk to him. And my grandma occasionally started to warm up, but my grandpa never spoke to my dad until he proposed to my mom and then he started talking to him. When I heard that, I heard that story when I was younger and I never felt like I fully belonged to that side of the family. And it honestly is just because of my skin color. It's not because of 
how I am culturally or anything. So it was just like what Meghan Markle went through, it was almost the same kind of silent, nuanced racism that you're accepted into a place and everyone's nice to you, but under the surface, there's so much more going on and you will never feel like you fully are a part of that, especially when it's an institution like the monarchy, which is based on colonialism and exploiting people of color. Mm -hmm. So That's where I think I have a hard time with the idea of being a part of the Commonwealth because I feel like the way you were describing the positives with Trinidad, my heart kind of, I can't align with that just because I think, why are we having a sense of gratitude for someone who just came and robbed us in the first place? Mm -hmm. I'm being grateful to my perpetrator, to my predator. Yeah. And saying, oh, thank you for not killing me, but you came in, into my land, you came and raped my women, you came and took my resources. But that's, that's difficult for me to understand the flip side of that, is that the monarch did not graciously ask. They didn't show up with a request. Mm -hmm. They didn't send a Facebook friend request. They came, bombarded, and took. Right. Out of nowhere. So totally. that's difficult for me to understand, having any kind of sense of gratitude to a woman who still has stolen jewels in her crown that mm -hmm. she wears proudly when she parades. Right. I can't. Yeah, it is. That is a really good point. And I think it's, I'll have to look into it more. Like, admittedly, I'm not super well-versed on that, but I find it interesting. I, I don't know about Zimbabwe, but um, Trinidad has willingly chosen to still be part of the Commonwealth. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, which is, like, also an interesting factor. Like, the Queen is on their money, mm. and, you know, they have British diplomats there, and it seems like the two countries have a good relationship. Mm -hmm. Um and I'm not sure the whole history there, but there is also a vein of history where some of the places that Britain colonized, part of getting that independence to those countries was aided by the Brits and saying, we're going to step out now because we want you to be on your own. And I don't know if I would disagree. I feel like the motivation would have been, this isn't economically viable for us anymore. Yeah, that's I fair too. I don't yep. think there was a heart in that whatsoever. Yeah. The heart is a piece of steel that only knows wow. money and economics. You know, I think about apartheid and how when we hear the story in our generation of Nelson Mandela was released and the whites let him go and it was beautiful. No, apartheid was not economically viable. They could not continue with their idea. It wow. wasn't sustainable. And the white people were like, well, shoot, this idea is not going to last. We need to get out and we need to save face. So let's pull the angle of the heart. We've discovered our conscience. And so mm. I don't know if I would trust the monarch to pull out or to volunteer That's fair, yeah. without them having a motive that is purely economically driven <laughs> yeah maybe i've been brainwashed by the I caricature know. i also could be on the other side no so it's good we need to have this a lot of salt. yeah so much salt on this conversation <laughs> all over everything i'm saying too. yeah well that makes me think too and we'll bring it back to the interview but do you think anyone with that amount of power is incapable of leading with heart do you think it's a corrupt system that the world has I think in order to have a method, a methodology that is based upon taking freedom from human, another human being and creating a hierarchy where you deem yourself higher than another being, there was never heart to begin with. I don't think, hmm, I don't think power gained over time releases heart. I think there was no heart to begin with. 
Yeah. So many, so many good points at why monarchy might not be benefiting us anymore. <laughs> and even, I, I mean, like... But I'm open to having my horizons expanded. Yeah, I wish I came in with more ammo, but... That's okay. I do feel like it's... It is hard to recognize what the direct benefit is. And we do pay tons of money to the crown, mm -hmm. being Canadians, mm -hmm. every single year to be part of the Commonwealth. And, to and be then we pay additional money for them to come and do us the quote-unquote favor of visiting us and then costing us more for that trip. Right. So we're paying double. Right. And it's weird for because... For the privilege of what, seeing a wave? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's hard. The place where it gets complicated for me... Um, and I think taking race out of it um, for a moment is when you look at Canada, the history of Canada is people that did not want to be independent from Britain. And that's why, you know, America split and mm -hmm. we wanted to still be under the crown. And so I think there's this generational underlying part of our identity that is, you know, that is a thing that makes us Canadian. Mm -hmm. um, and that's tricky too, because for so many people, it's like part of their lineage and mm. they're not thinking twice about, you know, the things we're talking about, but it's so good to have a good hard look at that because, you know, at what point does the value of your cultural identity trump what's really happening? Yeah, like beyond the emotional part of me that has observed my people suffer at the hands of the quote unquote institution, I do want to be uh, open-minded to not just be closed off, but it's hard for me to see beyond that, not only as someone who comes from a country that was a part of the Commonwealth, but as a black person, to think that 19 countries belong to this institution. 19 countries, 3% of the UK population is black, and the lack of reverence for this segment of people that they have mm -hmm. removed aspects of culture, white history to some extent for us, and for some, black people all they know is England or Britain the and this is how we're treated I find it hard in this moment to empathize with the crown mm -hmm. but I'm open like I said to expanding my horizons for sure hey and me too mm -hmm. I don't even think I know my own opinion so that's all right <laughs> it's good to have these conversations and I'm, I'm curious to hear what the listeners will have to say as well yeah hopefully they school us and educate us yes <laughs> kindly of course yes <laughs> I do want to take it back to the interview and I did want to touch again a little bit more and go a little deeper with you about um, what your emotions were like when Megan did say she was silenced and when she did find out that they were questioning what the color of her baby's skin color would be. Were those moments for you, did you feel them tangibly? Very much so in my body. My body felt like it had gone through a beating when I woke up the next morning. Wow. Yeah, and I, I, I don't, it's very rare for me to feel trauma in my body. Like I feel trauma emotionally, but I felt it physically. And I think I shared this with you the next day. Um, yeah, that was hard to hear. It wasn't necessarily unexpected, but I just didn't realize to that extent though. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that was quite difficult to experience as a black person. Um, the silenced part, I felt that in my soul because that has been part of my experience as a black woman. We are the 
we are the ones that are always talked over, interrupted, our ideas are challenged, we are told that we are too aggressive, we need to soften our approach, we need to smile, our hair is too loud, our tone was aggressive. This is the narrative that so many of us black women are raised with and it, it creates such an identity crisis because even myself, I'm grappling with that right now of who am I? Do, do I soften myself? Is, does that feel authentic? Or do I, am I too hard? All these people are telling me I'm too hard. Is that true? But I know I said please and thank you. Right. I know I smiled. So the questioning, I can imagine what it would have felt like for her not really having a support system, being quote unquote silenced, and then starting to believe that and almost going crazy because she's in her head. Like she said, she was isolated for so many months with her thoughts and then the opinions of those around her, the firm advising her on what to say, what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely felt her feeling silenced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah. I, I really, I think what upset me the most was the skin color comments mm-hmm. and like you said, it was so strange because I felt it in my heart and I felt my heart break and I had those flashbacks to my personal life mm. and it was just, that really broke my heart but also at, at the same time wasn't shocking, like mm-hmm. you said. And I don't know if you saw but there was kind of an update that um, Oprah made clear it wasn't mm-hmm. <laughs> the queen. I um, saw her with Gail and she did her prayer hands. And you know when Oprah does her tented <laughs> prayer yes. hands motion? It's about to go down. <laughs> I thought the whole thing also left me feeling a little bit scared because even when they talked about, um, I I think it was a bonus clip too, but um, Harry was talking about how he had been trying to get in touch with his grandma and she didn't have room on her schedule. Mm -hmm. And that's added on to the context of the main interview kind of scared me because in the back of my head, and not to get conspiratorial, but it's like, who's actually running the show here? Mm. They are not to be named. They control even the queen. There's a whole narrative that's happening. And I wouldn't be surprised to get conspiratorial <laughs> if they knew that playing this long game would eventually make Harry and Meghan leave and the press would blame it on Meghan. I think the ominous nature of so many episodes of The Crown fed into the craziness of this happening in 2021 in real life. Um, There are many instances with, well, and obviously this is a fictitious show. The um, institution has dispelled the crown and called it completely fiction. So I definitely want to put that disclaimer out, but the crown claims otherwise. Um, But there are many episodes where um, they're, they're portraying the queen in opposition of her sister's marriage to a man that she loves. Right. And the way that the press secretaries are influencing that and the, and letting her know that the optics of this chosen man wouldn't be good for the royal family. And I think, yeah, that, that made me really fascinated to see a young Elizabeth portrayed in that way with the influence of the press secretaries mm. and to hear from Harry that they're entertained and wined and dined at the royal palace. That really, to me, validated those narratives spoken to by the crown the show itself Mm -hmm. the influence but then i also think on the other hand how can you be the most powerful woman arguably in the world and not be able to draw a line for your grandson 
Totally. Like if you cannot draw a line for blood, where is your line? Right, and that's what makes it kind of fishy to me. Mm -hmm. But it's so hard to know. But then you think about some of the... I mean, this also is from The Crown, a fictitious show, but the kind of language the queen uses to speak to her sister about how getting married to the love of her life is bad optics to her own sister. <sighs> and, yeah. I, and I thought of this quote that I read earlier today that says, racism keeps the divided divided. Hmm. Because if you think about all of those countries that belong to the Commonwealth, if we all united ourselves and put aside all of our differences, what would happen to this tiny little island of a country? Yeah. So it does benefit the crown, or the institution rather, to keep the divided divided. Yes. Mm -hmm. Both domestically yeah. at home with the narrative that they were willing to feed the press when Meghan and Harry first got together, all the way to the countries that they keep separated. When And again, I really, really, really recommend watching The Crown. Yes, it's a fictitious show, but it, it touches on history in a really cool way from the way the queen manipulated certain countries to get political gain or financial support or backing for certain um, interests, this quote felt so real that racism really keeps the divided divided mm. and there's power in that. That's so crazy. And it's it seems like there's almost no denying that it was orchestrated unless you flat out don't believe Megan, but Harry backed her up. And I think that's what I kind of love about the interview is when Harry came out and kind of like confirmed a bunch of things, even like just that they they had their security removed and they couldn't confirm how or why. And I think the people that are obsessed with the monarchy, hearing Harry say that is a big deal. And it's going to make them question, what is it that I'm supporting? And I think that that's so positive. And I was so encouraged to see Harry stick up for so many things and be honest and see their relationship the way it was. Do you feel like that was authentic? Absolutely. It also could be that he has gone through a lifetime of media training. <laughs> yeah. But I did. I choose to feel authenticity from him. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. A really um, poignant thing that stuck out for me, especially when Harry was speaking to Oprah, Oprah would ask him a question and say, the queen, X, Y, Z. And Harry would intentionally respond and say, my grandmother. Right. And to me, that was a double-edged sword in that. I think he made it, did a really great job of having reverence for his grandmother, mm -hmm. her position as the queen, but also as his grandma mm -hmm. and respecting his elder. Yeah. But at the same time, I felt that him calling out that this was his grandmother was calling out his pain. Wow. That this was his family member. This is his blood. This yes. is supposed to be the matriarch of the family, the protector. Yeah. And he got left out by the wolves by his own blood. Yeah. So I, I felt, the to me, I, I chose to interpret that as intentional on his part to articulate his pain in conjunction with his respect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited at, you know, the initiative that he's going to be taking with Oprah for mm -hmm. mental health. Oh, so beautiful. It's incredible. Like, mm -hmm. what a cool pivot for him. Yeah. I think it's really exciting. And to be honest, I know that there's people that talked about how controlling Megan seemed of him and how he seems like he might be a submissive husband, which I thought was hilarious because there's so many moments yes. we were laughing about. 
Um, even I think when we first saw him in the chicken coop, <laughs> it was just like, was he like, was Megan like, shut up, this is my moment. I mean, she definitely seems more vocal. Yeah. And she has this, um, yeah, like I also was asking myself the question when I was reflecting, Am I perpetuating the narrative that black women are too much? Because oh. at times I felt like when she was becoming very assertive, I was, in my mind, I would go, oh, she's being very defensive in this moment. Interesting. But I would have to stop myself and go, is this an ingrained narrative that I have learned, this learned behavior that when a black woman is reaffirming herself and articulating herself utterly clearly where you will not confuse what she's saying mm -hmm. how do i interpret that right mm -hmm. yeah but no I, I think i think she allowed him space to speak when it was his time i agree you know? i and agree yeah <laughs> it's just fun to laugh at the memes too mm -hmm. <laughs> i wanted to draw on a point actually from Mikhail Zhang, who was our governor general yeah. for a period of time and she has this beautiful quote where she says i am a woman of action and I opened spaces off dialogue for people to speak their truth. And I felt that uh, when Harry made the point about talking about and acknowledging his isolated bubble that he has existed and grown up in, of not really having exposure to race or real racial conversations, I first of all appreciated that he admitted that. Yeah. But he said this really poignant thing where he says, but my God. He started his sentence with, but my God, it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, this reminds me of that, this quote that wow, he is. that's so good. He is acknowledging that, yes, he might not have known right away, but it didn't take too long for him to open his ear, open his eyes to this woman that was expanding his horizons, expanding his knowledge of a people's struggle that he might not have been aware of. He wasn't trying to pretend he knew. His vulnerability allowed him a pathway to growth. Absolutely. And in that pathway to growth, he is continuing to bring others along by, like Mikhail says, opening spaces for dialogue. That's so good. And especially with what he's doing with Oprah, this interview, all of their initiatives to try to continue to expand this conversation in a respectful way. I think them not feeding into tabloid fodder is important to hold... Um, some sense of credibility around their message, right. I really commend him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do too. And I feel like this is such a powerful moment of television history because I feel like Harry and Meghan serve as such a symbol mm. of unity and also speaking up on behalf of people that we might not understand. Mm. And I'm so about that and you know that. And I think it's, it's an exciting new frontier that they've opened and an opportunity for us to be inspired um, one last thing I wanted to touch on. I almost forgot about this, but when Harry had mentioned that they were financially cut off and all he had left was that his mom gave him <laughs> because she probably saw it coming. What do you think that meant? What do you think Diana was thinking when she put that safeguard in place for him? I think first of all, that woman needs more credit than she has ever gotten because the smarts to have set up finances in a way that the institution could never touch it. Yeah. Wow. I don't know how she managed to do that. And then to even have the foresight to prepare it in a way like that, I'm, I was shocked that she'd even prepared him so much. But it was, 
it was beautiful to know that even in her passing many decades later, she is still his guardian angel. Yeah. You know, she's still there protecting him even when, you know, his grandmother and the rest of them are feeding him to the wolves. And you know what was so beautiful too is uh, Megan talking about how one of Diana's friends was there as a support for her. Oh, yeah. How beautiful is that? Like you, when you pass away, one of your closest friends is taking care of your family even mm -hmm. though you can't be there for them. I thought that was so beautiful. That is so beautiful. They seem to have a, a good support system. I mean, Tyler Perry's got jets, so you good. Yes. <laughs> that had me shook. I'm like, okay. I know. I Tyler love Perry Tyler. Tyler through. Perry is, is just the G. Yeah, I love him. You know, he's got jets. He's got the 300-acre <laughs> lot. Uh, Listen, he can take care of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for my stint at his house. <laughs> he's, he's getting a six-pack together. Listen, Tyler Come Perry on. is... He's, he's thriving. I love it. I love it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun little bonus I know. we got out of that. I wonder if he's going to do a Medea play now. Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> Medea goes to Buckingham Palace. It's interesting to see the memes pop up, um, specifically in the black community, because I can relate to this wholeheartedly. Humor is our coping mechanism to trauma. Right. Like, of course, I felt the visceral, emotional blow the day after watching the interview, but I immediately just resorted to ha laughing about it because there's yeah. no other way. So it's interesting to observe our collective pattern as a people. Yeah. Reacting, feeling for this situation. But yeah, yeah so <laughs> that is fascinating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's, I wonder what it was about it that made it so memeable because I feel like a lot of things like that that are presented quite seriously mm -hmm. are almost untouchables but I think maybe because Oprah, Harry, and Meghan are all characters to people we had free reign. And also black people just take, yeah. take some and run. <laughs> <laughs> and black Twitter's the best meme producer oh, out there. My god. <laughs> Bless black Twitter. Yes, mm -hmm. it's an amazing space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Is there uh, anything else you want to touch on? No, this has been really fun. I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Thank you so much everyone for tuning in to this special episode of Anti Culture with my friend Kaya Allo. You can rewatch Oprah's interview with Harry and Meghan through Global TV if you're in Canada until Tuesday. And if you enjoyed our show, please connect with us online at josiahpodcast.com where you can follow us on socials, become a Patreon supporter, contact me, and listen to all of our previous episodes. Kaya Allo was featured on Season 3, Episode 10, discussing the music industry and the subculture that surrounds it. You can also check out her incredible music by searching for her wherever you stream it. One of my favorite songs by her, Vice, is what gets me up every morning. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Stay tuned for another episode of Anti Culture coming this Friday. I'm doing two this week, so I'm really excited to share more stories with you. And this Friday's episode is one you're not going to want to miss. It is with an incredible man who is circumnavigating the globe currently in Panama. And we talked to him about his life story and what brought him to that place. I'll see you on Friday, and thank you again for tuning in.